Deep Talk, The Human Condition is a member of the Teej.fm network from WTJU. To learn more, visit Teej.fm. That's T-E-E-J dot F-M. Hey, welcome to episode two of Deep Talk, The Human Condition, the podcast where I welcome a new guest every episode to take a personal look into their life. Deep Talk could range anywhere from insecurities to greatest triumphs or darkest struggles to future hopes. Whatever it be, I invite you to picture yourself in this person's shoes and to learn something about you and the people around you. First things first, thank you so much for listening. My name is Nick Delaney and I'm the host of Deep Talk. Before we get started, don't forget to check out the podcast social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It can be found at Deep Talk THC. That's Deep Talk THC. Today, I would like to welcome a classmate of mine from school. He plays sports like golf and basketball, and fun fact, he's graduating high school with me next week. So thank you so much for joining me, and welcome. Thanks for having me. So to start off with the most important question, how are you doing? Pretty good. School just ended, uh, getting ready for summer, getting ready for graduation, and all the graduation parties that are happening. There are so many, and my bank account is about to suffer because of that. So I feel that. I feel that. Yeah, definitely. So you knew I was starting this podcast and what it was about, and you contacted me mentioning that you wanted to be on it to share your history as an ex-drug dealer and how you got out of that life. Where do you think this all started? Mainly this started, I would say, back in seventh grade. Um, I was, I, I would say I didn't really have that many friends back then, so I just tried to find ways to cope with my um, loneliness and that how like I didn't really have people to hang out with besides my next door neighbor, but he was a couple years older than me, so he was going off to high school and doing his own thing while I was still in seventh grade. So I was hanging out with a couple of friends, like friends that didn't go to my school, but I happened to know. And it was just casually, they just casually asked me if I wanted to smoke weed. And I, I was like, well, I'm up to trying new things, you know, like I didn't have anything going for me at the time. So I just said, why not? One won't hurt. And then after that, it turned to more of a casual thing. Whenever we hung out, it would just be, oh, let's let's just smoke or let's do this or do that. And I couldn't say no. I mean, I, it was the only friend group that I really fit into, so I just kept on going with it. And then that kept on going up until high school where I kind of branched off from them and tried to do my own thing because, I mean, it was high school. I was, you know, trying to have a fresh start, trying to have a new life. But I still found myself going to parties and still drinking, smoking, you know, and that's... That's tolling as a, I guess, 14-year-old at the time. Like, you don't really know what's going on in the world, but, I mean, I was already stuck in that life. Um, yeah. Would you, describe your, would you describe your drug use as a comfort, a coping mechanism, or addiction? Like, how would you describe it? I would describe it more as a curtain to hide my insecurities Uh, my insecurities being that I didn't have any friends and I wasn't really like I didn't really trust myself with reaching out to other people so I would use drugs as an outlet to make myself feel good and then 
try to fit in with other people. And what do you think stopped you from being like friends with other people? Was there something that happened that kind of like outed you from the rest of the kids your age? It was, well, in high school, I found like people who would party and do stuff like that. So I could fit in with those people. And then with the other people that I didn't really associate myself with, I just thought in my mind that they were more like nerds because they didn't do what I did, which was drugs and party and stuff. How far did your drug use go? Well, it didn't really get into any harder drugs. It mainly stayed in the terms of uh, weed and alcohol. And yeah, I didn't really do anything else besides that. Describe your experience dealing drugs. How did that start? Well, that started off in freshman year when I, I was going to a lot of parties. Like our freshman class was, was very um, rowdy. We had parties like at least once a week. And I was, most of the time I was there and I was ready to like get down, do whatever. And one time, I think it's around Christmas time, one of the kids that I was hanging out with at a party asked me if I wanted to help him sell some weed just to get some money. I would get some money out of it and it would just be like an easy way because I knew people that he was trying to sell to and it would just be really, what's the word? Um, beneficial to like both yeah, of you, right? Yeah, beneficial. So I, I agreed to that and that really got me started. And at first it would happen maybe once a month, maybe twice a month, but it didn't really escalate until February of freshman year where he had more supply and more demand and I was started to reach out to more people, people that I didn't even know. Um, so that was, that was going on and then that started to happen maybe twice a week, three times a week, even once a day sometimes. Like it really got into serious like matters. So when I was starting that, I was starting to meet people who were in gangs, starting to meet people who like had killed people, like I had seen people with like gun wounds and stuff. Like and that like that was obviously like really um like really scarring to me because I mean, I was only a freshman at the time. I hadn't really experienced anything like that besides in movies. Um, but I just kept on going with it because, hey, I was making money. It was just an easy way for me to make money, way for me to feel like I belonged somewhere and that like I could uh, get along with people. But I mean, it was selling drugs, so I don't, I didn't really understand it at the time, like how how like bad it was. And you mentioned that you were starting to meet people with gun wounds and who had killed people. How did you meet those people? Were you in sort of like, um, I don't know what to call it, maybe a network or web, I don't know. Um, I would say it's a network. Uh, we had, so the whole system is really complex, like more complex than more, most people think it would be. There's normally one guy who like either gets the weed from some other state or gets the weed from like a dispensary or something. And then he would buy it in bulk, like maybe pounds. Um, and we would all meet at this one little house. And it would be me and maybe six or seven other guys just sitting there that like we didn't really know each other, but we all just sold the same stuff. And so that's how that's how we really affiliated with these with each other at the time 
and there would be people from like maybe they were from like Springfield or maybe they were from DC so there were a lot of like different like different uh, stems off of one one person who was giving us this this weed basically <laughs> just weed you came in direct contact with these people I did yes it was interesting and it was also scary because I mean I didn't know any of these people and and most of these people were of different race like I there was me and one other kid that was the white kids there um, but they just acted like we fit in because we were selling weed and like we were like associating ourselves with these people so did there ever come a time when you were possibly threatened by one of these guys or felt like scared for your own safety and health not by some of the other dealers i hadn't i've never been threatened by them we were mainly just chill with each other just because i mean we were trying to make money in our own way um but i had gotten or i had a gun pulled on me one time when i was making a deal with one of my quote-unquote friends at the time we were we were trying to give him weed and he wasn't sure that we had given him the right amount so he came back to the car and tapped his gun against the window and said hey is this like the right amount and we like and i i was sitting in the passenger seat i was scared like i didn't know what to do but my friend or friend um handled it pretty professionally for a drug dealer he pulled out the scale and like like made sure that the guy saw that it was the correct amount but that was probably that was the only time that i was really threatened from with my life going through this did you always have a longing to get out of it i had thought about it i didn't at some points i didn't think that i was going to get out of it because i was like really far into it i mean i talked to the the supplier like daily like i knew his name we were on first name basis like we sometimes we would just hang out like and smoke ourselves i mean obviously not not from what we sold but his own personal supply but yeah so i i didn't really think i was going to get out of it looking back at on it now um but at some point i was it was sophomore year and everyone at school started to figure out that I was selling weed and I was becoming like a main person, like the main plug at school. So I just really thought this is not how I want my high school career to go, being known as the drug dealer. And my parents didn't know at the time and I didn't really want them to find out. And of course I didn't want the school to find out because then I'd be expelled. And if I was expelled, then I would probably just be a drug dealer full time. And that's not a life that I really wanted to live. So it was just at some point I was just thinking about my future and I was like, maybe I should stop. And I do know that you transferred into our school junior year. Mm -hmm. So does that have any relation with what you just described? Sort of. I mean, so from transferring from one school to another, my mom had come to me and I told her that I didn't really have any like friends because at the end of junior or at the end of sophomore year I was like kind of falling behind in school and like my mom was asking me what was going on and I just started getting out of the drug business so I told her that I didn't really have any friends so I would like to transfer to another school and she made that possible and how did you get out of it it was a long process that like a lot of stuff happened um, so originally 
um, when I was thinking about getting out of it at first, I had talked to one of like one of my other friends um, who I had sold with and who we had we had done deals together, and I talked to him about hey like. I was thinking about my future, and I don't know if drug dealing is my future. So I just like had a talk with him, and he thought, well, like, how would you make your other money? And I was like, well, I guess I'm really in this for the money. So he was like trying to talk me into staying, and like, cause, because I knew a lot of contacts that really like bought like once a week or like every other day. So he really wanted me in just as a source of revenue. And after talking with him that day, I was really looking back on the conversation and thinking, wow, like, he's really just doing this for the money. He doesn't really want, like, a relationship at all. Um, so then that, so after that day, I'd really started to, like, I was talking to my supplier and said, hey, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start only doing this once a month. Like, I, I don't really want to get into this, like, full time and stuff. And he said that was okay, he, like, because he knew he had other people that would just, re like, replace me and stuff. And then there are other people that were mad at me for starting to cut back. Like I had, I had friends from school that relied on me um, for weed and stuff. So they they really wanted me to stay in there so they could get like deals or like they could get like a discount on stuff just because they were close friends of mine. It just wasn't a good situation for me where I would build like long term relationships with people that I really enjoyed being in company with. So after I started cutting back to once a month. Then at one point, I just stopped talking to my um, supplier altogether and stopped talking to the other dealers. I tried to really like, like basically excommunicate myself from them because like I realized this isn't helping me in the long run and these people don't really see me as a friend. They just see me as a source of revenue or a source of enjoyment for getting weed. Um, and I just thought, I don't want to live my life like that. Like I just, it made me feel terrible about myself and how like I didn't really have any strong like connections with any people unless it was with drugs. So I just started cutting myself from all all communications with that. I mean, I still, I still smoked weed. I mean, I still do, but anyways, <laughs> it's, it's more, it's not, it's not now. Okay, we'll, we'll get into now later, but back then it was just, I was getting out of it and then when I smoked weed it was mainly to hide my feelings of like getting myself out of it and realizing that I really had no connections with people like I had no personal connections with people so I would just do that to like it would be back in the eighth grade like do that to cope for my loneliness and my insecurities and stuff so you definitely changed a lot as a person I can tell like as you went through this seeing how you went in this looking for friendship like looking for ways to cope with your loneliness and you came out of it for almost the opposite reason you came out of it because you realized these people aren't friends so looking back what can you say changed about you and was this for the better or worse well looking back I'd always wanted to be like the most popular kid at school and when I first got into the drug use, I thought this would be an inlet to do that. Um, but then at some point I realized it's more than just that. It's more than just parties and drugs and all of that stuff. And I realized I needed to get on a more personal level with people. So being on the other side, I mean, I 
call it sides because you could either be a drug dealer or you could be a normal person. Um, when I was in the dark, I realized it wasn't like a happy place. Like there's nothing happy about selling drugs. It's all, it's all strictly business. It's nothing personal. I mean, people say that a lot, but it's like, it's literally strictly business. Like if you, if you're going to get shot at, it's going to be because of, it's going to be because of that. I really wanted not to, not to like feel like I was going to like die or like get beat up or something because of what I do. So in a way I matured a little bit and thought like about my future, like what I said earlier, thought about my future and how I wanted to move forward and actually do something with my life besides that. So it really opened my eyes to the reality of the world that it wasn't just selling drugs in the world to make friends. It was more of getting on a more personal relationship so I could have a better future for myself. How do you think this all affected your relationship with your family? Well, my family had no idea that I was doing it. Um, I I was really low-key about it. Like, my mom thought, like, I, I just had really good friends that I could hang out with all the time. And that's, like, that's how I handled that. But there was a part of me that was more, like, angry at just life in general and I would have like a like a short fuse in a way so I would just get mad at like small things and I would take that out on my uh, mainly my mom and she would like sh like she would ask me to do something and then I would just get really upset about it because like hey maybe I was thinking about like a deal later that I was doing or something or thinking about how how I was going to pick up more weed later so I could make more deals so I I would really just take out that anger like on my mom mainly because she would she'd be the one asking me to do something and I'd be like and I would start yelling, I would start screaming. Like I punched a hole in my wall a couple times. Uh, I ran out the house, I ran away. I so that was that was emotionally tolling on my mom and my parents because at some point they felt that they had done something wrong, but they they honestly had no idea what was happening to me with me at the time, so that really affected them. You mentioned that you ran away. Can you talk about that more? My, so, That's okay. it was, no, I can't. It's, it was a really stupid story now looking back on it. Uh, my mom had asked me to do laundry and I was like, and I knew that there was gonna be another supply of, I think at that time it was five pounds of weed and I really, I really wanted that because I wanted the money. Um, because I wanted shoes or something something stupid um, and so I was really just fixated on that and my mom had asked me to do this and I just wasn't having any of it so I just started screaming and she started screaming and we got in this big like shoving match basically where we were shoving each other and then at some point I was just like you know what I'm done with this and I just ran out the house and I ran to this local park that I go to. Like just, it was a place where I could clear my head and just think about stuff. And I spent the night at my friend's house and we made deals later, so. And then I went home the next day and acted like nothing happened, which obviously something did happen, something like very severe happened, but I acted like nothing happened and just kept on going with my daily life. And you're mentioning your mom a lot, how, did your dad deal with all this? Did he play any part? Well, my dad worked full time. He worked like he would get up at 4 a.m. He would be out the house by 
6 or 7 a.m. And then he wouldn't be back till like 8 p.m. So he wasn't really he wasn't really there to deal with my little like episodes, if you could call it that. Um, and then after they would happen, my mom would be left to only talk to him about it. And he like couldn't really do anything because it had already happened. Like we like my dad had had a couple talks with me and like asked me what was going on. But of course, I didn't really want to tell him that I was like doing drugs and selling drugs. And so like he yeah, he didn't really have any role in that. What do you think was the darkest moment for you out of all of this? The darkest moment was probably having the gun pulled on me. I had never thought that I was going much less see a person without a licensed gun. But it was just a time that really terrified me because I realized out out in doing this business, you it's really life or death. Like you could really die in an instant and I and that was a point where I was thinking about it and I was like, wow, like this just happened to me and like like I this is the first time I'd actually see, seen a gun. But yeah, it was the first time that I was on the streets and I'd really seen a gun like in basically in my face. I mean, I I was in the passenger seat, but it was like four, three feet away from me. So it was something that was re- really real at the moment and like really scary. So that was, yeah, that was probably my darkest time. Earlier on in the episode, you mentioned that you still use weed now. Why do you think you do that? <laughs> I guess old habits never die. Um, no, but in in all in all seriousness, I use it now as more of just more of just like pleasure, like how people they may not be alcoholics, but they still drink a beer here and there. Like it's like maybe it's just I'm with my friends and we're having a good time and we just we just want to have that feeling of euphoria and that the highs that I had back then and the highs I have now are completely different. Right. You know, people like say like, oh, it's like a high, but it's not really described. And I would say back then the high would be more of like thoughtfulness and like I would think about like how like I needed to branch out and make more friends and fit in. But now it's more of just having fun. Like I just have fun with it. Like I do it like more for pleasure it's not really like a social thing it's more of like maybe occasionally like my my friend would say oh like I have this weed from college and I'd be like oh okay like I'm down like I'm like why not um yeah but it's it's definitely it's nothing as serious as what it used to be so it's definitely shifted from more as a feeling of obligation to just comfort like discomforts you so that says a lot yeah. about like how you've changed. So yeah, if you could tell yourself from the past or one person going through the same situation as you, one thing, what would it be? I would say, you don't need drugs to fit in. You don't need. You don't even need to get into the dealing game, because um, that could it could potentially ruin your entire life, whether it be academically, socially, or personally. It could ruin your entire life in an instant. So if you're in it now, get out of it as soon as you can. Find the easiest way to get out of it because it's not going to be easy to get out of it, but you don't want to take a long, hard journey to get out of it. 
and to people using drugs now as a coping mechanism or anything that's like seriousness that's like addiction worthy i would say find some help i know i like i had friends that i could talk to through it like after my main friend who was a couple years older than me i really talked to him about this a lot and and you just really need to find someone where you can talk to and really talk this talk these things out i'm repeating myself a lot so that's okay <laughs> i'm so sorry that's fine but yeah just seek help with by any means necessary whether it's rehab or just friends talking yeah is there anything else you'd like to say to the listeners it doesn't take a lot of friends for you to be popular that because that was the main point of all of all of this for me is because all because i did all of this because i wanted to be popular and i wanted to be the big man on campus you know everyone knew him but i found out it just takes simple close relationships where you can branch out and meet new people through personal experiences and not through some um ambiguous thing like drugs do you think the you from the past that just wanted to be popular would be happy seeing the you now i would i would say yes if you're talking about like are you talking about like the like when i was starting to get into drugs or like when i was back in seventh grade and i wanted to become popular at the time starting to get into drugs i would say he would be proud but he would also be like what happened because when I was starting to get in drugs obviously I used drugs a lot and he would probably like back then he would probably say like whoa like you're only you're only using like you're only smoking like once a month or once every other month like like what happened there but he would look at like my like my friend group and say oh like you know a lot of people I mean I've been to three schools so obviously I've had a lot of um relationships with people at those schools and I've just like found a way to know everyone like whether it be at my school now that I'm graduating from or my past schools I just found a way to branch myself out get myself known and I would say he would be proud on me with that standpoint but the drugs he'd be like what happened what do you think is the quality that you admire in your friends now that's so different from the quote-unquote friends you had in the drug business? I would say definitely there's a different level of trust now. Like, now I would trust my friends to tell me something or I would trust myself to tell them anything, like like how I talk about my drug use and stuff. I would trust them with being able to, like, not, like, make fun of me or say anything mean about that. Like, I would trust them to make me feel secure like make me feel what's the word make me feel fulfilled fulfilled yeah that's a good word make me feel fulfilled and just they're there when I need them they're there if I need to talk to them they're there if I'm going through a hard time and that's compared to my druggy friends back then who would yes if something was happening they would like ask like oh is everything okay but that was mainly because they needed me to go out and talk to more people so it was so that relationship was based more off profit and how I could get more people to sell to and how they could get more money and how we could all split up the money and how they could get rich and be clout quote unquote (laughs) 
Yeah, it's, it was definitely a work relationship. Yes, not, yeah. yeah. But back then, um, since I didn't have that many friends, I back then I considered them to be like my friends. But I mean, obviously, looking back on it now, they were they weren't friends at all. They were just acquaintances or people that I saw like once a week. So yeah, that's really what's changed. Did your parents ever find out? I know my mom has had suspicions. One time she found, I think it was around $600 in my room. And she had asked me where the money went was from. And I told her that I had a pair of shoes that I sold to a friend and he bought them for that much. And obviously, <laughs> obviously she didn't really believe that. I mean, I do have a pair of shoes that are $500, but that's not the point. Um, yeah, but she had suspicions and she had like said like I hope you're not selling drugs and like I hope you're not doing this and doing that and at that time I'd like I'd really quit out like I'd quit doing it but like it was just like kind of shitty to think that my mom was telling me not to do these things when she didn't know for the past year and a half two years that's exactly what I'd been doing behind her back how would you describe your relationship with your mom now um <laughs> I would say it's it's definitely more like yes we still have like our differences and we still maybe get into like arguments and stuff but now it's more of like an adult relationship where she can really trust me on like doing what I'm supposed to and I can and I can trust her with letting me have the car and letting me like go off and do stuff with her permission Thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. I think you have a very unique story. And I hope the listeners are able to picture themselves in your life and with your history. Uh, because I think it's just a beautiful thing that you're inviting them into what you've experienced. And they get to see that for themselves. Whether it be someone who went through something similar that you did or someone like me that doesn't know the first thing about drugs or drug <laughs> dealing. It's just so interesting for me to be able to see that. And obviously it was really great getting to know you because we don't really know each other. Yeah. So I think that was pretty cool. So thank you so much again for sharing that with us, for being here. Did you have anything else you wanted to say? Final notes? Just want to say thanks for having me. And I hope that people listening to this can really take something from this and really find a way to get out of their situation or not get into the situation that I got into. Well, thank you so much and stay tuned for our next episode. See you next time. Thanks again for listening to Deep Talk, The Human Condition. Our musical theme is Gone by Elfint and that's spelled E-L-P-H-N-T. And our cover art is by Luke Dimas can be reached at void.mp3 on Instagram. Stay tuned for the next episode of Deep Talk by checking out our social media on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Deep